Welcome to the Intentional Father Podcast. For us fathers, parent our children, not by accident, but with intent. I'm your host, Aaron Stroman. Welcome to episode 14. This episode is titled The Protector. One of the roles of the father figure is to be the protector. You got to protect your family. If you're married, of course, protecting your wife, your spouse, and fathers protecting your children. So I'm going to give a little bit of buildup before I really get into the application in this episode, but stick with me because I'm, I'm going somewhere. First of all, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus says, be as shrewd, or sometimes the word is wise, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. This is one of the very few times where in scripture we are told to be like snakes or like the serpent. Typically the serpent is a depiction of evil, of Satan. You know, it's like you don't want to be like the snake. But in this particular instance, Jesus says be as wise or as shrewd as a serpent, as a snake, be as innocent as a dove. That's what we call a paradox. There's two seemingly opposing ideas here, but they actually work in conjunction to be one. The idea of the dove being as innocent as a dove, I think we understand that. Nobody is really scared of doves for the symbol of peace. A lot of times people get tattooed a dove on them. If they go into places, I want something that symbolizes peace. They'll get the dove. Dove represents peace. I wonder if anyone has ever been killed by a dove. I should have done that research, but you know, doves just, they're, they're not real threatening animals. Kids chase them in the parks, right? They're, they're a peaceful animal. Snakes, on the other hand, freak people out. You see a snake when you're in the park and you're going to jump back. You're going to scream. People don't like snakes. Why? Because snakes are, they're like sneaky, they're cunning, they're poisonous, they're aggressive, and it's, it's like the opposite of the dove. What Jesus is getting at in this, in this passage is saying, we need our innocence, right? We want to believe the best in people. We want to be innocent. Um, there's there's a beauty that comes with naivety, but we also need to be wise, and we don't need to let people take advantage of us. We need to be able to stand up for ourselves. Snakes, they stand their ground. They'll strike back. They'll poison you, and there's sometimes when we need to be that protector. We need to stand up and guard our families, and we need to teach our children the same thing. We want them to be innocent as doves. We want that innocent phase to last as long as it can, but there will come a reality check when we need to make sure our kids are street smart. We need to make sure they can take care of themselves. Saying all of that, here's where I'm going with this episode, the protector. Fathers, we got to be the protector. I'm going to talk about the, the application is going to revolve around a sleepover policy that I put in place with my kids when they were very young. So the big question is, 
you know, what, at what age do you let your kids do sleepovers or do you even let your kids do sleepovers? What do those look like? How do they go? It can, especially for you young parents, it can be kind of, uh, scary, worrisome, intimidating to let your kid go over to some other house and spend the night. So a little bit of backstory on how I came up with this family policy and who else spoke into it. Cause it's not just Aaron's idea. But being in the youth ministry world and the nonprofit world in the county that I live in, I'm going to leave it unnamed for this episode, but there is one local nonprofit. They have a mission of helping children recover from sexual abuse. They're, they are so good at their job that our local sheriff's department utilizes them for every child that they take out of a home because of sexual abuse. Basically, any kid's sexual abuse case, they have this nonprofit do all of the all of the upfront work. So there's always an interview. You have to interview the child. And sometimes the, the therapist interviews them, and then law enforcement interviews them, then maybe someone else interviews them. This nonprofit does such a good job at at the onboarding that they do one interview, they video it, they have a licensed therapist there that walks a child through it to get all the information, to ask all the questions they have to ask, and then they treat the child, and they're really good because that's uh, sexual abuse takes a lot of physical, emotional damage on a child, and so they they treat it. So they're a very holistic organization, and I worked with them to help build policy for my youth ministry. And in working with them, they even helped me build a policy for my own family, for my own kids. What I discovered was most of sexual sexual abuse, sexual harassment, even, even rape, situations like that, all, I should say all, most of the time that happens to a child. The predator is someone that the family knows and they they trusted this person what do these people look like they look like stepdads sometimes even biological dads uncles older brothers in the house friends of the siblings over at the house it's people that are known and trusted that's why the child is usually left alone with these people because there's some element of trust. Rarely is it the white cargo van that pulls up and offers a kid candy and, and snatch and grab job. It's almost always someone known by the family. Saying that to say this, no one ever hands their kid over to someone with major doubts in their mind going, I wonder if my child's safe. Of course, we're going to hand our peop- our kids over to someone that we trust, but is that trust founded and it's it's hard to say yes when you've seen as many cases and examples. If you read the statistics, it's like this happens all the time to families and they had no idea. And so the policy that that I talked to with these professionals about and implemented in my house when it comes to sleepovers, because sleepovers is a time that kids get taken advantage of. The policy was, we simply didn't allow sleepovers for the first seven or eight years of my kids' lives. Like, zero sleepovers. Now, you may say that's a little bit judgmental. 
It is. It is a little bit judgmental. It's being as wise as a serpent. There's a bit of protectiveness there, a little bit of aggressiveness that's going on. Admittedly so. I felt hypocritical sometimes when my kids would get invited to a sleepover. And I would say, no. But I would I would make the offer, your children are welcome to sleep over with my kids at my house. Is that a bit hypocritical? Yes, but my kids didn't get sexually abused. And I think that's part of the reason why. I always understood, and I would always give parents an out saying, of course, I understand if, if you wouldn't have your kids spend the night because um, I would actually encourage that. I would, when my kids were that age, I would say, it's, I don't think it's wise for kids to be doing sleepovers. When they really don't have the capability to speak up for themselves, to fight for themselves, to scream out, to know what in between you know, right and wrong, what's welcome and unwelcome touch, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, when they can be intimidated and bullied with fear because a lot of times a kid will be abused and then the child will be told, if you tell anyone, I'm going to hurt your family. I'm going to hurt your parents. I'll hurt you. Don't tell anyone. And there's this fear that closes them off from actually telling someone. And you maybe you've had a friend that this has happened to, and they've held on to that secret well into adulthood. It happens a lot. Sometimes kids will get that out during their teenage years, but it usually comes out after adolescence in adult life when people speak out loud what's happened to them and actually get the help to deal with it and process it and heal from it. So the first seven years or so, we just didn't do any sleepovers. And when I say we didn't do any sleepovers, we didn't do any sleepovers, not even to, I have sisters who are married and have kids, right? So they're my kids' cousins. Uh, We just, we didn't do it. That wasn't a part of our, of our life. My kids stayed in my house for the first seven, eight years of their life. As I begin to understand and articulate and be able to have the conversations that I felt they needed to have, then we started doing sleepovers at immediate family's house. So my sisters and my parents, at the time I was married, her parents' house, so grandma and grandpa, cousins, aunts and uncles, we let them go there and we'd have appropriate conversations afterwards. And then when they finally got big enough where I felt like they could resist, scream, bite, scratch, and have have the wisdom, the shrewdness to do so in a situation where I'd want them to do so, that's when they were allowed to go and have sleepovers at friends' houses. Um, a couple other points I want to make. This isn't just sleepovers. Sometimes my kids would be invited to go hang out at a, at a friend's house in the neighborhood. So they're people on our street. Uh people a couple streets over my kids would get become friends with at school hey can i go hang out at his or her house i would when they were young i would always go have the conversation and i would do a couple things i always wanted to meet the parent make sure the parent was home i also wanted to step inside the home just to get a visual on things i would also want to know who else is in the house especially with my daughter but also with my son cuz it's you know abuse doesn't really discriminate like that but are there older brothers in the house? Do those older brothers have friends over? What's do have I met the older brothers? Things things like that. You know, is there is there an uncle living in the house? Or, you know, who who's here? What's going on? I was I once took my daughter to a birthday party 
and found out that adults were invited to stay and there was complimentary adult beverages. That affected how long we hung out at this birthday party. I didn't like the idea of adults drinking and having a bunch of kids run around and you know, like who was supervising the open containers with the children and, and what's going on. You know, it's like, ah, you know, but when you get to assess a situation, now you have more information to make that call on. So don't be scared to ask to go to someone's house, to step inside the house. Always meet the parent. Always look them in the eye. Always shake the hands, both parents. And if something in your gut tells you this isn't right, then it's not right. Hey, you can't go to their house, but they can come over here and play. Or let's set up the sprinkler in the front yard. Jump on the trampoline over here. Uh, I could do a whole podcast on making your house the party house, you know, where people come to you so your, your kids aren't going out unobserved. But when it comes to the sleepover policy, dads, we have to protect our children. We have to. And it's part, part of it's our, just our duty as the father. We have to be intentional with that. So whether you copy my exact policy or whether it's just a conversation starter with, with your kid's mother, whether that's your wife or not, be intentional about where you let your kids go and how you protect them. Uh, you know, at what point are they allowed to go to the mall by themselves? You know, at what point can they walk to the bus stop by themselves? Think through that. Don't let that stuff happen accidentally. Be intentional about it. And let's protect our children, protect our families, keep them safe, just as the Heavenly Father protects us.